After I start preaching, you might think that Robin and I got together to plan all of this to go together so well. But at this time, I'm going to ask that you would stand. I'm going to have Brandon read the scriptures for the night. And if you would stand for the reading of God's word, he's, he's going to come get us started. build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sheep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Seated. Thank you, Brandon. That's a good psalm for us to share the topic of the Christian family. You know, in some years of working with teenagers, I have seen teenagers come and stay. And I have seen them come and go. I have seen some teenagers stay who did not have a Christian family home. And I have seen some teenagers go that did have a Christian family home. But that's not usually the case. Usually the ones that, that all of a sudden they're gone and I don't see them anymore, they usually do not have a Christian family home. And the ones that stay and I see them, they pass through me for four years and I get to share with them and have fellowship with them and, and be with them. They, many of them come from a stable Christian family home. So we're going to talk about this Christian family tonight. You know, it's, a, it's good to go to the Bible to get your thought as to what you're going to preach, but... This time I had a thought, and I went to the Bible to find out how to connect that thought in God's Word. But the 127th Psalm is a, is a good place for it. And the thought I had came from a gospel song that I listen to. When I fiddle in my garage, I turn on gospel music. I've had wonderful brothers in Christ give me some good gospel CDs, things you don't hear on the radio. And there's a song that I've been listening to lately... And it starts out talking about endangered species. It talks about the redwood tree and the spotted owl. And the words go on to speak of, it says, on the list of disappearing things, I do not see a word about what's happened to the Christian family. It goes on to say, does anybody know what's happened to the Christian family? Where peace abounds and love surrounds and there is harmony. Where kids learn right from wrong by the example that they see. Does anybody know what's happened to the Christian family? To give a little history on this psalm as we get started, this psalm is believed to have been written during a time of peace for Israel. There were a lot of houses, a lot of structures being built for families to live in. Men got really good and fancy at a trade uh, and skilled in, in building 
in building dwellings of whatever type so that families could have a place to live in. You know, you think, you think about how skilled they became and you, you think about Noah and the building of the ark. How do you, someone answer and tell me, how do you think Noah knew how to build that ark? God told him. Noah had no idea how to build that ark, but Noah walked with God. And that means that Noah talked with God. And God brought Noah through the, 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 the architecture and the, and the blueprints and everything and the wood and the size and how to build that ark. He walked with God and God taught him how to do it. He had no reason to boast about that ark that he built. Because it was all to the glory of God. It was really God that built that ark. And he used him to do it. The men of Israel may have become very skilled in building some houses for their families. But all the glory goes to God. It's, it's God that helps us. That not helps us. He uses us to do his work. Those men could not boast either. You know, in talking about building a house, just as we pray for the doctor to, to be used and for God to work through the doctor for our health, you know, it's important to pray to God uh, on, on building a structure. There has been much prayer over the expansion of this building that we're in. Every, I just happened to notice, every time Brother Henry comes up here to pray, he prays about the construction on this building. We ask God to help us with it. I, I think I saw Woody here tonight. I'm sure that, that you all pray before, during, and after your ministry of building buildings for the Lord. Amen? You do, don't you? I thought you did. That's an, that's an important thing for us to do. We, we pray to God for, for constructing something that we can worship in. We pray to God for constructing something that our families can live inside of. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. But we want it to be right. We don't want it to fall down. We don't want to build it on sinking sound. We, sand. We want it to be on a solid foundation. We pray about the, the surroundings, the walls and the roof and the floor that our family is going to be inside of. You know, some men build houses as just simply work under the sun. They don't think about God in it. Uh, God's actually given them the breath and the strength to be able to do it, but God's not in it for them. But there are others that will build a house as a service to God. The difference is with or without God. God leading the project or God not being in the project or acknowledged in the project in any way at all. For the building process to be prosperous and to be successful, it takes God's permission. It takes God's work in it. Notice what it says in the beginning here, except the Lord build the house. It doesn't say, except you ask the Lord to help you. It doesn't say, except you, you just ask God to bless this. The Lord does the work and he uses man to do it. He's the foreman on the job. 
He's in charge. And, and as we sit here and we talk about the importance of this, but it, it's not only building a house. Look what else it says. It, first of all, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. You know, they used to set up the watchman to watch the city, and man, they did a good job. I, I'm sure some of them caught a little shut eye on the job, but they weren't supposed to, and I'm sure that was rare. They had the shifts uh, set up in such a way that there was always someone watching and keeping guard of the city, just like those meerkats when you go to the zoo, man. They're always looking up. They're always on the watch. And so they did the best that they could in setting up a watchman for the city. But that watchman couldn't see a fire coming. That watchman couldn't stop a storm from rolling in. That watchman really couldn't stop an enemy ambush that came upon the city. It takes the Lord to guard the city. Notice what it says there. What does it say? Except the Lord keep the city. Not helper, not not an assistant, except He do it. Okay? He's in charge. If the Lord isn't the one doing it and using man to help, the Bible is absolute here that the labor amounts to nothing. The man's labor does not have a little purpose. It has absolutely no purpose at all if the Lord is not in charge. And notice what we're talking about here. We're just talking about buildings being built, right? And we're just talking about someone keeping watch over the city. Verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early and to set up late to eat the bread of sorrows for he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, it doesn't matter how hard one works. I, I know there's a season where, where we can work really hard and we have to work really hard and there's overtime and there's, there's double time and, and there's all of that stuff. I understand there's, we can all get into a season for that. But overall, it doesn't matter how many hours one will put in or, uh, or how hard one works uh, or how much anxiety is experienced over or how much care is, is put into it. It's an empty project if the Lord isn't in it isn't in charge. You know, to rise up early and to stay up late is spoken of negatively here. I took a job one time and in the interview he said, I just want to let you know, you're going to come to work with your headlights on and a lot of times you're going to go home with your headlights on. And oh, I was young and that was fine and, and my mama worried about me working so many hours. I'm fine, mom, no problem. I could work, work 18 hours. This was just 14. I can do that. And, and like I say, there's a time for that sometimes that maybe that will happen. But overall, for the norm, that is, that is not impressive to God. We're to get a proper amount of rest. And work a proper amount of hours for the norm. That's the way that it's supposed to be. You know, when you have the Lord in charge, 
That's how it's going to be. And if it's that important, all right, if it's that important for the Lord to be in charge of the operations of such things as this that we have shared, if it is that important, how much more important is it for the Lord to build the family that lives inside the house? All right? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about something that's even more important. And we can tell by these things that it is so very important that the Lord build the family inside the house. A big, beautiful, happy wedding does not produce a joyful Christian home. Church attendance... Faithfully even, isn't near enough to make our residents a Christian family together inside it. I'm reminded about a story about this woman. And she was at home, keeping the home for the day. And there was a knock at the door. And she goes and she answers the door. And she had a little pamphlet put in her hand. And only these words from the man that knocked on the door. He said, does Jesus live here? Handed her the pamphlet and she walked away. And she went and she sat on the couch and she meditated and she thought about that all afternoon. The husband comes in for the evening. Hey, honey, how are you doing? And notices her looking a little different, a little puzzled, a little daisy. And he says, honey, what's, what's going on? And she rehearsed, react, reenacted the whole situation out about the man coming to the door, handed her the pamphlet, does Jesus live here? And he said, well, honey, didn't you, didn't you tell him that we attend church? Didn't you tell him that the kids go to Sunday school? Did you tell them that they go to vacation Bible school every year? That we send them to church camp every summer? She said, no, I didn't get a chance to tell him anything, but I wouldn't have told him that for an answer because that's not what he asked. What he asked was, does Jesus live here? And I'm not sure that he does, was her reply to her husband. May we all be sure whether Jesus truly lives in our homes or not. May we never be guilty of being so desirous of the Lord's presence. We, we want to have a good worship service. And Lord, just bless us here today. May we know you're here and just fill us, Lord. That's a great thing to do, and, and that should be our prayer every Sunday. pastor said that a while back, and I make sure I pray that way on Sunday mornings before we gather together. But let us never be guilty of seeming to be so desirous of the presence of the Lord when we gather to worship, and it not be that way and that same desire within the home, within the daily life, within the living every day for our Family, may we be just as fervently desirous of the presence of the Lord in our homes. If we knew the ratio, the number of 
professing Christians whose homes are a completely opposite atmosphere of that which is presented and projected from them at church, I believe as a whole, as a Christian body, we might be a little disappointed in the opposition ratio of what may go on. I don't know, but just maybe we might be disappointed. I mean, we know this is true. Because in the day and time we live in, there are things that are broadcasted in the open that do not belong in the Christian family. There are pictures, there are things you can read that people are advertising that do not advertise a true Christian family home. So I'm afraid the ratio might disappoint us Somewhat, man cannot build a Christian family home on his best day and the best thing he does. It's not within man to be able to do it. It takes the Lord to create a Christian family home. He must be welcomed into the home just as we welcome him into the service. He must be submitted to. He must be the center of our family. There's a sign hung on walls in homes, and and I'm not trying to offend you if this is your sign. I know it means well, but there's a sign that I can't even quote it, but it has something to do with Jesus being a guest in our home. But as we look at this and how we think about it, except the Lord buildeth the house, that's the whole problem. We only invite Him in as a guest whenever He takes charge of the home. He's the one to be in charge. He doesn't want to be a guest. That is actually the whole problem. We must be we must be a Christian family home under the leadership of the Lord. He must be followed by the family. Mom and dad must be the examples. If we parents we we know it at church but we do not live it at home, we're contributing to the death of the Christian family home. Now, as we look in verses 3 through 5, we're going to see that our children, something about our children, they're very precious. Our children are, are presently important, and they're the future leaders of the faith in the family home. And But first of all, notice in verse 2 how it speaks about how the Lord gives us sleep. For so He giveth His beloved sleep. He gives us sleep. But notice in verse 3, it does not say that He gives us our children. We've been made stewards of our children for God. To raise them for Him. Our children are His before they're ours. We've been given responsibility with our children for Him. Children are likened unto stewardship here. Having stewardship over 
the children. And in verse 4, let's get deeper into this. It says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Children are likened to an arrow here. You know, the thing about an arrow, you don't see a real pretty redbud tree or an oak tree out there and a beautifully wood-carved looking arrow branch growing out of that tree. You're never going to see anything like that. What you will see is a big, rough, knotty branch that is stemming off of a tree that can be whittled down into an arrow, okay? And it's the same way with a godly child. Children don't come that way, amen? Children don't come that way already. But they become godly as a godly family atmosphere is around them and mom and dad are used by the Lord in the home to shape, to mold, and to create Christian family leaders of tomorrow while you start to progress in having a true Christian family home. Godly parents are a great blessing to children. Children, listen to that statement again. Godly parents are a great blessing to children. If your mom and dad are here, and they're in the will of God, and they're serving the Lord, they are a blessing to you. And godly children are a blessing to their parents. It's a win-win situation here. The hope for the home of tomorrow lies in a constant, fervent, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ now. A real, intimate, depending relationship between parents and the Lord lived out in front of our kids. I thought about this part of it as Robin was up here with three young girls, one of them being her daughter, and them singing for the Lord. What a what an amazing blessing that was to see. Just as the old... There's another old song I listened to, and it says, Children need to see people praise the Lord and hear Mama and Daddy pray. At home, in the home, talking about the Lord in the home. How many sing, stand around the piano as one plays and the rest of them sing for the Lord? What, what good stuff that is. And, and, and you know what? That sounds kind of old-fashioned and shame on us because that's right in style for you and I to have a Christian family home. Let's make our homes be as the house of God. I believe, I believe we are desirous and joyful. I see true joyfulness in our church as we gather together. And the Lord does that. The Lord creates that. Your heart is open for the Lord to make that happen. And people come in and say, wow, what's going on in this church? So if it can happen here, 
It can happen in our homes too. And I'm glad it is in so many. God bless you for the homes I, I get to go into and know that the Lord is there, know that the Lord is dwelling there and living in the midst of the family, growing up future Christian family leaders of tomorrow. There ought, there ought to be some worship in the home. I'll probably say this many times throughout my life as much as I get to preach, but I looked up this definition of worship one time, and one of the definitions was a way of life. What is our way of life? That's, that is a worship to God. It's not just here. It's all of the time. We need Christ in the home, alive and well as never before. It's very important for us as, as a, a Christian body, for us as Christian families. You know, we started out with a song, What Happened to the Christian Family Home, and that was the beginning of it. The end of it, there's a man speaking of seeing a gravestone in his dream. This is a song, okay? And, he's, and, he, and he just the, the words, and to get the message across, he the lyrics are, he saw a gravestone in his dream while he was sleeping and written on it, chiseled out in that gravestone was, here lies the Christian family home. Meaning that Christian virtues were gone and there was no foundation left to build the Christian family on. And the song goes on to say that he woke up and he got to his knees, and he, and, if he, and he said, If Christian homes will be preserved, it must begin with me. For through God's power and grace, I'll have a Christian family. You know, that we, so many of us, we are, we're, we're already a work in progress, and God's doing a, a work in us and creating a good Christian family home. But, but who might who might take the place of saying it's it's going to continue with me it's or or it's going to begin right now that that I want my home to be the environment like it is in church I want to be real to my children what my children see in me here when I'm with God's people I want them to see that in me when I'm at home that's what I want to be real will it Will it begin with you? Will it begin in you today? Will it continue in your family? I cherish and embrace you and the families that you are, and we get to gather together and have good God-glorifying fellowship, whether in the home or whether in here, whether up here at game night. Good fellowship in the family. And when it's at home... What a wonderful thing that is. You know, we must be fully surrendered to God and decide. It's, it's up to us today to, to decide whether this generation is possibly going to produce life or death of the Christian family. I have a friend, and he goes to church on the other side of town. And I was asking him about his church, and he said, "You know the the the, ten, the attendance and those in attendance and the the ages. It looks really odd when you walk in." 
because it's grandparents and it's little children, 17, 18 years old and under. And mom and dad's missing. And that's, that's sad to hear about it. That grieves our heart as Christians that the Christian family isn't continuing that way. This message makes me think about myself and, and my home and what I want my home to be. And, and I hope it does you too. But if you're here tonight and you're saying, yes, I'm on board, that sounds good, I'm going to give it all I've got, I'm going to work with all my might, but you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've never had that day in your life as Zacchaeus when the Lord came to live in your heart and you trusted Him for the forgiveness of your sins, His death, burial, and resurrection, the good news of the gospel came to overwhelm your heart and arrest you and take you over and save you, then there's no no possible way that we can do it on our best day without Him. Do you know Him today? Do you have a concern for your home? Do you know Jesus? Because except the Lord build the house. He must be the one in charge. He must be the one to do it. Do you know Jesus as your Savior tonight? Let us pray, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, to bring your family to the altar this evening, to put the Lord in charge of your family, truly and fully and forever. Let us pray. My dear God in heaven, Lord, we come to you tonight. And Father, I want to thank you for your goodness tonight. I want to thank you for your word, dear God. And I want to thank you for clear, precise instructions for the family unit. Mom, dad, and children. Dear God, may lives be fully surrendered to you. Arrest the hearts of moms and dads and even the young kids tonight, Lord. And have your way when we're in your house and have your way with us when when we're in our own. Take our life, Lord. Have your will in hearts this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. It's 371.